Hey, Brightsiders, you know I love a good con. Kings of Con, Con Man, other shows about cons, but this is the other kind of con. The Con Man, the OG con. But I guess I did get the convention thing from my dad too, but he mostly just con women. But my friend Brian, who's on the podcast, his dad actually really worked at it. So enjoy the bright side of Con Man Dads, and be sure to stop by fredsbs.com. That's BS for breads and spreads, guys. And he's got blondies now, which is one of my favorite treats. Just be sure to use promo code BRIGHTSIDE for 20% off your first order. Enjoy. It's Mrs. Brightside. Uh, open up the curtains, look outside. What's outside? It's Mrs. Brightside. All right, guys, you're listening to Mrs. Brightside, where the glasses always half full. It's your CBT on CBD. <laughs> and I have a guest who, who I've really sought after because Brian has such a unique, you know, perspective <laughs> on stuff. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brian Stranahan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think of myself as being unique, but I guess I've been told that I am. So, um, I know some of my stories are unique. Some of my experiences, uh, especially from childhood. Uh, yeah, I guess I am unique. And the more I think. <laughs> yeah. Cause what we really have in common is like both of our dads are a bit of a con. You obviously mm. have a little bit better relationship with yours. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you were about to tell me a story. I'm like, Oh, let me hit record. Let's start. So what were you going to say? So. Yeah, years ago when my father decided to move out to California and live with me temporarily, he um, he he uh, <laughs> he had a little bit, let's say, of an adjustment period where he um, my na- Well, let me start off with saying my upstairs neighbor in my apartment complex at the time, this was like ten years ago, looked like Alice Cooper. He oh, had the so my yeah, dad. <laughs> exactly. He had the long dark yeah. hair and the sunken eyes and and they were burnouts from the sixties. So him and his wife So definitely my dad. <laughs> and um, every yeah, well I don't know your yeah. dad, but may, you know, That's maybe funny. so. Every night I would hear uh, he would lock himself in the bathroom, <sighs> which was direct directly uh, above my head in the bedroom. And his wife would bang on the door and all I'd hear all night was Paul, boom, 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 Paul, you took all my pills, Paul. <laughs> Open the door, Paul. And he would just say nothing. I guess he was getting high in the bathroom. And so they had grandchildren that would come in and they would just let them run wild because they were just, you know, spaced out and just, uh, I guess, on drugs. And they were just totally like catatonic. And so one night when I was at work and my, my father was, you know, he goes to bed pretty early. They, one of the kids dropped a bowling ball on the floor <laughs> and it was this, bowling ball. yeah, exactly. So and random. you could just imagine yeah. on, you know, and it's, it's very thin walls, very mm-hmm. thin. It's an old like building built in the sixties and you could just imagine boom. And my father has PTSD cause he's a Vietnam vet. So whenever there's a loud noise, when he's sleeping, he jumps. So, yeah, they dropped bowling ball, which they did from time to time. <laughs> and uh, and so my father was just pissed off. Once he calmed down, um, he ran outside and started screaming from the lower level in the courtyard to my neighbors upstairs. And my neighbor, the Ellis Cooper lookalike, comes out <laughs> and, and he starts to, like, come down the stairs. And my father looks at him and goes... 
come down here. I'm going to kick your ass. And the guy, this old man, like, he just goes, ooh, and he turns around and runs back up the stairs. And, and then the, my neighbors were like, who is that? Who is that out there? And they said, it's church man. Like, because, yeah, my, my neighbors went to church. My father's Catholic. And at the time he was very Catholic like, <laughs> and he used to go to church every Sunday. He doesn't anymore, but he used to go to church every Sunday. And my neighbors went to the same church. So they didn't know his name, so they called him Church, church Man. man. <laughs> yeah, church exactly. Man. Like a su- superhero. And church then Man, he the w- power of God, and the Holy Trinity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so for the next, like, you know, month or so, whenever they see him in the laundry room, they would say, <laughs> like, this one of my Asian uh, neighbors from Vietnam, he's an older gentleman, is very nice. He says, you churchman, you hero. You know? <laughs> and they would say, like, he's like, I'm no hero. He goes, no, you told them where to go, and everybody's been wanting to do that for years. Everybody know you hero. <laughs> and so my dad was like a local hero or celebrity after that. So I just, whenever I hear Ellis Cooper, I think of that story. It just jogs that memory of my, my neighbors and and then eventually they got busted for drugs. It was great because they... <laughs> You're like, they got busted for drugs. It was great. Well, because they were creating such <laughs> they were a... Annoying, yeah. They were annoying. They were not peaceful hippies. No. They were annoying. Like, one... Thank God it wasn't nice. College know-it-all hippies. Those are the worst. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, maybe, I guess. But they, they were not college know-it-all hippies. They it's were just... Part, they yeah. were like the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Just a wake well, of destruction. And so, like... They, they appeared to be normal, well, I guess normal-ish, yeah. and they would have been fine if they just kept to themselves, but they were loud, they were obnoxious, yeah. and we have air conditioning units that stick out on the side of my building. They're like window yeah. units, that, but they're built in the wall, and it, they stick out into the driveway. So if you're not careful, you can hit one. And, and she was high, and she went right into an air conditioning uh-huh. unit, so it was just constant chaos that they inflicted on us the annoying junkies like those are the worst right exactly so there was always an issue so finally one day they were they had a drug bust out in front of and my dad says they caught him and uh, like in the middle of a drug deal and there was undercover cops that swooped in and the guy took off like when the cops chased him he floored it and the guy had one foot in the car door and he fell down and he was tumbling because the the drug dealer is trying to get away and so he took the guy with him and so um alice cooper look-alike and then they had them like spread eagle my father said i'll never forget the cop had this huge gun that looked like a cannon and he says man he goes i'm glad that's not me because <laughs> yeah. my father had been in that position years ago and he says that if that cop figure just slipped a little bit <laughs> his brains would have been all over the sidewalk oh well so, yeah it was just it, would, it there's so many stories i mean it's just <laughs> So that's what's funny is because like your dad was like a hero in the complex for that. My dad was often the outcast for being the other guy, which is funny. My guess because he was obsessed with Alice Cooper, hence why we got to talking about that Mm because I have a little toy. 
in my apartment. Because I like Alice Cooper, because he's yeah. a pretty cool dude. Yeah, like, I've yeah. met him. He's a nice guy, but my dad was obsessed with him, and he sort of, like, had the same hair, only my dad's a lot bigger than Alice Cooper. Like, not, like, heavy. He's always, he actually looks more like Steve Perry from Journey. Oh, wow. People still, Asian tourists think he is him. <laughs> like, That's cool, though. It's Steve funny. Steve Perry's awesome. Yeah. I love Steve Perry. Yeah, he's a very talented guy. My dad was a good singer and a, and a DJ is what he did, yeah. which is a lame job unless you're a kid and it seemed cool to the other no, kids. Yeah, it seems cool. I, yeah. I love, you know, I, yeah. I worked in my college radio station. Yeah. I enjoyed DJing. That was fun. It was some of the best. We used to do it Saturday morning. That was our, our DJ time and we'd play classic rock and it was great. I had so much, learned about all the controls and you know, uh, FCC regulation, all yeah. that stuff. So it was, it was, it was cool. Yeah, as I say, one of the so. fun, more fond memories I had was going to the radio station mm. with him. But he also yeah. worked at the local strip clubs. Which, growing up in the Bible Belt, that's why you're an outcast at school, is because your dad's a strip club DJ. Mm. But he was actually semi-famous in Dallas for getting beat up by the cops. Like, he and my brother got beat up by the dark cops. Because, guys, Dallas PD oh. is all right with me. Dallas PD and Dallas SWAT, pretty cool people for the most part. Oh. I know there's some bad apples, but... Um, yeah, like, it was funny. The dark, the Dallas area rapid transit oh. beat up my dad. And um, it was pretty funny, like, later. I mean, because to me, I didn't so much care about the beating up my dad part. But they left my little brother in downtown Dallas. And, like, just, but he, he was only, like, 14. But, luckily, he's not as dumb as everyone thinks he is. He just, he's, like, I just hopped on the train and went to our our half-brother's house. He's, like, I was fine, but they took Dad into custody. And it was, like, a big deal because they, like, beat the crap out of him. And, like, they just arrested him for jaywalking. And Did your dad sue them? Yeah. Like, so what's funny is the Black Panthers, <laughs> like, even, like, sided with him. It was all over the yeah. news. Sure. Like, cause like, yeah, he was like beat up by these cops and then they left my brother and like, but the funny thing is because my dad's kind of a piece of shit and like a con man, mm. he owed too much money. So like the ACLU and the Black Panthers, everyone got involved and behind him, mm. but like the lawyer, they sort of quit when they realized that every, he owed money to too many people. Right. So they, yeah. and it was just like, damn. That, that does sound like my father. He, yeah. um, and you bring up another story yeah exactly and but the, the only difference between your father and yeah. mine i guess is just the appearance because yeah. my father your dad looks normal yeah. he looks like he could be a cop he could be a ceo he's just he's got you know a clean cut mustache he's got you know well-groomed hair uh glasses yeah. when he was in prison people called him pops because uh -huh. you know he was always the older one and they protected him but they also thought he was like a undercover uh, cop. I'd hate all to the think time. what they thought of my dad in prison with that pretty long hair. <laughs> no, yeah, my, my father always, you know, he he's a Navy veteran. He was always yeah. had like clean cut. He's always been a very like that's why he gets away with a lot of what yeah. he does. But to what you were saying, with the story that you reminded me, uh, my father knew um, years ago when he was he's well. I should mention that he's. Um, recovering uh crackhead so he's like he's my got dad did coke yeah so yeah. yeah so very similar and i think he did start it with coke but he he quickly went moved on to crack and See, i don't get that like because i've done both and i only smoked crack once because i was like that's it yeah. I, I just don't understand becoming crack addict because like coke is so much more fun uh, mama june was just yeah. arrested I know, I saw crack. That. I saw, yeah she looks so skinny now though 
Like, that's body back, right? Well, that's what my father <laughs> joked about the other day. Go smoke crack, you yep. lose a lot of weight. That's I was like, Dad, come on. Like, he told this person that. They were like, about diet. He goes, no. smoke some crack, you lose weight. I was like, you can't just say that to normal people. The normies, you know, like in public. <laughs> I know. I know like, how your dad feels, though. I do that all the time. He's got no filter. Yeah. No filter on him. And he'll say things, and I'm like, Dad, zip it. You know, I'm like, but the what, again... Years ago, so to feed his addiction, like, you, you're you lucky that you, well, you're fortunate that you mm. said you've tried it. and He could never yeah. escape it. He's just, that's his, you know, personality or whatever, the chemistry. He's so addicted to crack. But years ago, it used to be worse. And so, obviously, you need money to feed your habit. Yeah. And he didn't have any at the time. So, what he came up with this scheme, um, you know those... I don't know if you call it soda or pop, whatever, but, you know, pop machines that, like, they, they take the dollar bills. Well, years ago, now they have die packs. They've got GPS. There's yeah. a whole system like an ATM. Years ago, it was very simple. And he knew that this is where the criminal thinking comes in. He knew that there was a light. And when it was, like, uh, blinking red or it had some kind of a code, that the machine was full of dollar bills and it wasn't accepting. So it was full of cash. So he took a hammer and just smashed the, the pop machine and took the cash out. And that was how he got away with it. But one day, uh, the cops, there was police that actually, I forgot exactly how, but somehow they, they caught him. And he ran, and and he was not young. He was probably in his fifties at the time, you know. So he ran, and then the cops, when they finally tackled him, he goes. The police officer was like, "Damn, you're fast for an old man." I I thought about letting you go because yeah. I was so impressed with how fast you ran. That's funny. <laughs> and then when they had him handcuffed in the back of the cruiser, he the cop leans over the window, rolls the window down, and goes, "Hey, come here." And then sprays him with pepper spray Jesus. while he's in handcuffs in the back of the cruiser. And you know, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been sprayed before, but... Not that's on like... purpose. Me and my brother thought got our mom's pepper spray and right. killed some ants with it, and then it got all over us. Right. <laughs> it's But imagine yeah. that feeling of being sprayed in the eyes with pepper spray. I mean, he said it was the worst, like, burning sensation. He couldn't breathe. Yeah. He was, it's horrible. You know, hyperventilating. So, um... He, they had to take him back to the uh, the station and dunk him. They have like this big, you know, dunk tank where they just dunked his head in the water, rinse it out. And he finally was like, why did you do that? He was like, uh, and the cop says, oh, I just got it and wanted to see if it worked. <laughs> to like what your father went through with the yeah. police brutality, you know, yeah, beating. Yeah, police brutality. Yeah, I know, exactly. I'm like the Black Panthers were on my side. I'm like, Dad, you're just making me more black. My name's already Lucretia right. Lyon. <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah. The first time I remember when I, I think I first met you when yeah. we were at the Good Vibe show and um, yeah. and was it I think Jack Knight was the uh, yeah. performer and you said your name was Le he asked you your name and you said Lucretia and he was like get the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah, he didn't believe me and I go would you like to see my black card? Yeah, <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. I, I love that reaction. I remember because he was hanging over by where the beer was and where this stage was like the beer was on the stage and yeah. so I mean me being me and I love beer I was like hey dude would you grab me one of those while he's doing his set 
I knew. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was your name, and that was why yeah. I was laughing yeah. when he asked you, and because like, I knew it was coming, and that his reaction was priceless. Yeah. So. I know, because like I remember, I had my friend's dad, who I was the only friend he liked, but before he knew me. Yeah. He, he was a bit of an alcoholic, um, and he was drunk as fuck when I called him. And I was like, hey, is Kristen there? He's like, who is this? And I'm like, it's Lucretia. He's like, what's your real name? Yeah. Kristen doesn't have any black friends. And I'm just like, what? It's true. And that, I was laughing. And, and <laughs> I, I thought, well, because, you know, I've, stu- I've studied forensic psychology, so I know about yeah. serial killers. So yeah, we studied my the same first, thing. Yeah. yeah, my first impression of you was uh, when I heard your name was Lucretia Borgia. Yeah, you know, which so, is where my name comes from. Right, yeah. exactly. But I guess a lot of people don't know history or yeah. serial killer, whatever, but... Um, I just knew that from, from forever. But it was funny because I also know that people have that impression. That's I know, especially with the last name Lion and yeah. Empire and everything. I'm like, yeah. okay, like I do, and it's funny. It's one of those things that I'm like, that's what sort of pushed me to do stand up because, right. you know, you develop a thick skin. I mean, there was this kid. I mean, in two, I was kind of a badass. I used to beat this kid's ass for making fun of me mm-hmm. every day in kindergarten, like. He was a boy, but he would call me in different na- nickname every day, and I'd just uh, kick his ass. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm <laughs> like, glad yeah, you didn't take his shit. Yeah, no, I'm like, no. Your name's Logan. That's boring until, you know, Wolverine. But... Sounds very preppy. Yeah. I, I, I think trust fun baby when I hear Logan. Oh, yeah. So. Like, that was pretty well everyone else in our Chad school. I, I know I'm being, like, over, you know, dramatic, mm-hmm. but it was more, I lived the life like Veronica Mars, where mm-hmm. we were, like, the poor family in a very rich mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that Logan. Ooh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, except Logan on Veronica Mars, hot, but not that Logan. Not Logan Gilly. Fuck that kid. That is coffee flow. I don't even know who that is. That's yeah, that was the kid I used to beat up. Mm. And my friend Kurt, who we met later in high school, he was his neighbor, and he goes, "Yeah, I used to try to shoot him with my bow and arrow." Oh. <laughs> that's, so everyone hated him. I, I hate to interrupt, but is your dog like? It's like he's. Bleeding a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like she keeps like biting herself. Okay. Like she's got like an, a skin allergy. I gotta oh. put some Neosporin on it again. Okay. Yeah, it's, she's good. Right. She's just. I didn't know if you knew about that. Has a nervous. Like, and that's why she's been having to take the CMD, CBD oil. Oh, yeah, she's, CBD, yeah. We use yeah. that for our guinea pigs. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, thank you for being concerned about her. Yeah, she must yeah. have pop, popped it again. I love that. Scratching. Yeah, um. But yeah, uh, my, it's funny because yeah, there are similarities to your yeah. father and mine, and um, I think that's just the appearance. That's the only, but the inside is the same. The same. But your dad, I will say, that's where my dad always failed. I mean, his his looks, his look worked when he sort of started all this, probably in the, the late seventies mm. and you know early eighties, like because that's when he found you know my mom and my brother's mom or and our half brother's mom and stuff. Because my dad, how he got around, his cons were always... He was never, like, a good con man, like your dad, but not elaborate. He so good. He just used his <laughs> Steve Perry looks to lure women so he didn't have to work. <laughs> my dad, I always tell him because he always thinks he... One of his defenses is he's like, you think I'm stupid, don't... And I say, no, I know... <laughs> yeah, he's I, really smart. I say, no, you. I, I think, you know, that you just put your intelligence to the wrong, you know, purpose, you know, it's just, but I think you're, you're smart, you're a little lazy, but, you know, that's, that's a different, that's a choice, he doesn't want to admit that. And, and that's the thing, and that's the key to your dad and my dad, they're lazy, they, my dad literally, I mean, because, I mean, he would, 
have sex with the apartment manager. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he would always try to live places with women so he wouldn't have to pay his oh. rent or things like that. That's how my dad got through life. And then I, I think it was our mutual friend, Jacqueline, who said, so your dad's like a chick. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my father never, had, yeah. he never did that. He was always... He was more elaborate in his scheme. He is elaborate. Yeah. It is elaborate. It's amazing. Some of the like, he would buy an empty gas can when he didn't have a car and walk around yeah. and say, "Hey, I ran out of gas. Can I get twenty bucks for gas?" And he didn't have a car. Yeah. To get cash, I'm like, Holy yeah. People do that all the time because like there was this one spot particularly <clears throat> in Dallas, like at this one gas station. You like everybody knew that was what was going on. Yeah. People would walk up with the gas can or like, "I need money for the dart." Like. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing, I don't know why, like, soda and pop tend to mm. be, like, his thing, but, like, another story was, um, I don't see it much out here, but if you go to western New York near Buffalo, um, a lot of the grocery stores, like, uh, our version of Ralph's and whatever, like, just say Ralph's, I guess, yeah. it's it was called Tops and Wegmans, and so they have vestibules, and they put cases of beer, well, not so much beer, but uh, Pepsi, Coke, Sprite, like just stack them like in the vestibule where there's no security. Yeah. It's basically outside of the store, and I I don't know if it's an uh, advertisement or advertisement, whatever, or just like a promotion. But they stick these pallets of pop there, so my father knew this, and he would just go and then just load these pallets into the back of the his uh, drug dealer's car and they'd take off with like cases of pop and they would sell that and turn around and make a profit. God. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. No. Like I said, the amount of work he did to avoid real work, you know. And now a word from our sponsors. Like Mrs. Brightside? Well, the PodCoin app pays you to listen to this podcast and every podcast. It's the podcast player that pays. Yes, that's very difficult to say. Just get the PodCoin app on iPhone or Android. It's free and super easy to use. You can use the PodCoin you earn to claim gift cards and donate to charity. It literally is amazing. It turns your podcast listening into charity, or if you like, just get some Amazon or Starbucks gift cards. I don't judge. I use the PodCoin app to do all my podcast listening now, and I love it. Go get it on the App Store or Google Play today. Seriously. Just get the PodCoin app and use invite code BRIGHTSIDE. You'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up if you use my code. That's 300 PodCoins just for signing up if you use promo code BRIGHTSIDE. Go give the PodCoin app a try today. Yeah, and that is sort of the thing, because I know I've heard you talk about some of the stuff y'all have done, and I'm like, that is still a lot of work to avoid work. Right, exactly. At least uh, my dad, like, the one thing he was good at, apparently, was, you know, smooth-talking women and getting them into bed to get free stuff. No, yeah, he Mm. never did that. It was, But, you know, he will defraud the... Our Jewish friends, you know, as I told you. (laughs) That's one of my favorite stories. That's another story. Y'all just put on yarmulkes and go get free food? Does that work for me? Well, maybe it might. I don't know. You'd have to try it. But uh, he calls it getting blessings. (laughs) He does it. (laughs) Getting blessings. Yes. He's like, I'm going to get blessed. You know, or he'll say, he blessed me. You know, he'll never, he always sugarcoats it. Makes it sound so altruistic. And the funny thing is, is he grew up Catholic. Right. You said. Then too, it's just like... The most Catholic. How do you reconcile that? Like, Irish Catholic going into a synagogue and... I'll tell you how he reconciles (laughs) that. 
His mother always told him, you were born on Yom Kippur and circumcised on Rosh Hashanah. Oh. So he considered himself an honorary Jew because of that, because of those two dates. I was, in his mind. And so he bought a yarmulke. He befriended a guy through, I guess, AA that is also an addict that's Jewish. And they both have a similar mentality when it comes to this. Although, you know, the guy, his friend, I'm not going to say his name, but his friend is really Jewish. And they're very, the Jewish people are very, um, they take care of their own, like very yeah. well. You know, it doesn't matter if your family or not, they take care of each other. And so, and they do feel it's, you know, called mitzvah, where it is a blessing yeah. where you give, you know, you give a gift, cash or free food. And and they feel like it comes back to you, I think, like tenfold. Tenfold, so. yeah. Yeah, so there is. Yeah, I went to a Jewish school, so does that make me honorary Jewish? Me I, and my brother you know, had to go again. there when, because they would, they would only, they would accept us pagans. The Christian schools weren't and wouldn't. <laughs> I don't don't ask me. This is I'm no, just, I'm like I'm like, can I be an honorary Jew too? I like it. Maybe. And mm -hmm. and so, you know, sometimes he'll go to this place and I told you, like, and they'll have the rabbi this rabbi who was a former I guess he worked in the oil business and they'll put on a yarmulke and they'll just he'll go in and he only knows a few, I guess, Hebrew words. Yeah. And just enough to pass, you know, and, and the fact the white hair and he keeps quiet and they love him. I mean, that's the crazy part is they've accepted him and they like him better than some of the other people who are actually Jewish. I was like, there's a lady that I guess uh, complains a lot and, and wants <laughs> well, to take yeah, more food. More, she wants more money, more oh, yeah. food. And the rabbi will give out checks for a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh wow! And he, the first time he went there, he said his name was Lowenstein, but they wrote on the check Lewinsky. So now oh. when he goes back, he's always Lewinsky. Lewinsky. Yeah, and they ask him, "Are you related to Monica?" Yeah. <laughs> it's just the the stories. I mean, it just it's endless. It's like it's just the things. That you that he comes up with, you know, it's just it, it. It's like you, if you were a creative like genius, you couldn't have think, you couldn't have thought this stuff. It's like it's just so you know. And then you know, I've told you we do like market research studies. Yeah, and, I do that too. It's yeah. like it's good money. Exactly, but you know, like sometimes like. It, you know, you do. He'll do things that he doesn't actually have, like yeah. certain medical conditions. Or, for example, to get his bus pass, uh, he has a disabled bus pass because God. it's cheaper. And he came in. He bought a cane. And they, the lady at the bus station, the the administrator said, "You he came in a little too fast. So come back a month later." So he came back a month yeah. later and hobbled a little bit slower with his cane, Jesus. and he got his disability. <laughs> And it's funny because in California they basically encourage that behavior. I will say yes. no one. He was smart to come out here because it amazes <laughs> me how many people I know that have handicap placards or yes. things like that. And it's just like it's pretty. They basically coach you. Like I feel guilty mm -hmm. for having my dog as an ESA dog just so I could get oh, her right. into certain apartments because she's oh, a restricted yeah. breed. And right. I'm like, she's old yeah. as fuck. Who cares? Right. I agree with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm an animal lover. You know, as you know, it's yeah. like I just. I can't stand that. So, like, the fact that there should be no restrictions yeah. on, on pets because, I, you know, I go to the shelters. There's so many animals that get put down, and they're just, like, they're perfectly good animals. And I'm so happy they passed that law about, um, 
you know, breeders and everything in California. Yeah. So at least that's some a start. But yeah, you're right. There should. I don't, it's sad that you have to get that, um, you know, service dog. Permit, yeah, because so. um, she's a husky Akita mix, which are both on the list right. of a lot of places. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, and two, yeah. what irritates me is it's pretty discriminatory. Because, like, honestly, if it was really about what a part like barking or yeah. um, tearing things up, I'm like, then these are the wrong breeds on here. Because little dogs are way worse than yeah. big dogs. And, and, like, but people tend to just be, like, fine with all little dogs. And I'm like... No, I'm sorry. They're not that cute and they're mean. They're not dogs, like, sometimes. And I'm like, and they just discriminate against big, sweet dogs like Zephyr. Yeah. Okay, baby. Very cute. I'll talk to you in a minute. Yeah, um, it just, uh, you know, uh, back to my, but, yeah, you know, my father's like, it's just, the schemes, like you said, the cons, we, he, I, I told you, that I, that's part of when I, uh, when I did stand-up briefly, it was like, you know, that was the story, was that, I arrived, I came back from New York, and um, and he's like, I got us an all-expense-paid vacation to Las Vegas. Wow. Uh, chips, hotel, because we were visiting his sister. My aunt lives in Vegas. And so his mother, my grandmother, was flying in, so we're going to have a family reunion. I said, well, that's great. How did you do that? How did you get us a free all-expense yeah. trip to Vegas? He goes, well, there's just one catch. We have to pretend to be a gay couple. And I was like, <laughs> Now, what father would say that to his son? Dude, me and my mom, so we're going to do that in Vegas. Like, yeah, I was like, people honestly think we're a gay couple anyway because I'm so much taller than my mom. I'm like half a foot taller than her. And, like, we don't really look alike. I look way more like my dad. Um, But, yeah, I was like, hey, why don't we pretend to be a gay couple and try to get a timeshare? Exactly. That's what we (laughs) tried. He heard Roseanne Barr, yeah. you know, on the radio talking. This was years ago, you know, yeah. like 10 years ago. And, and she was doing, uh, you know, the promo for this Tahiti village, it yep. was called. Time. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, like, know. Yeah. And so I had no idea about this. You know, I, I just never heard about it. And so I was like, what are you talking about? I was, You know, and he says, well, you know, I called up. And at the time... Um, California had gone through that Prop 8 thing, so it was like, it was legal for like a minute, and then they reversed it, you know, they had the whole thing before gay marriage was completely legal, and so when he called, you know, the guy on the phone says, oh, I know that um, you guys have the same last name, are you father and son, and and he goes, oh, how dare you, we were married in California when it was legal, you awful bigot, and the the whole... And the, the, the messed up thing about that is my father's a bigot. You know? I know. Like, and so he's like the pot calling the kettle black. He's making this guy feel, and the guy got all the, oh, no, no, sir, I'm just asking, and, you know, a question, we're happy to have you and your uh, domestic partner, whatever, you know, your husband. And it was just like my father, he knows how to play with people's emotions like that to get the free chips, to get the free hotel. We even brought a friend uh, with us, you know, who was just tagged along. And he was, we, you know, my father and I, we just we just BS all the time, you know, and which is my initials. Like, we just we just BS. And so the whole ride there, my friend's trying to sleep in the back seat. He goes, would you guys shut up? It's like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, you know? <laughs> just the, just the two of us, we just shoot the, the breeze, yeah. you know, and just back and forth. And, and it... <laughs> It's like it's really an interesting relationship we have because we're like 
we're best friends, but we also can argue, and it's just you know we have a complicated relationship. It's it's uh, it's really funny. It's like I don't know. Yeah, and that's funny because I'm like, yeah, me and my mom, people just think we're a gay couple and we just go with it. Because I used to get free drinks at this place all the time because they just thought she was my sugar mama. And and it was a lesbian place. We didn't know that. It was just where we liked to have brunch. But then I'm like, mom, every time I get free drinks... Like what's happening <laughs> that's, from that's women? Funny. That, oh my God. That's it's sad. We I didn't at first I didn't want to go along yeah. with it, but then you know I just I, obviously at the time I couldn't. Well, I can't afford. You know it was, yeah. it was so much. It was like and I, and that's a nice condo. Like it was nice. Yeah. Well, we didn't stay it's there. Not on the strip, we had to visit. Yeah. They actually put us up in the Riviera, which is where they found the oh, casino. Yeah. yeah. Before <laughs> that was a, they at least put you on the strip. Yes, and I have to say the room was nice, the bed was nice, so separate beds, thank yeah. God. But um, <laughs> when we walked in, my father, see, the funny thing is, I guess I can laugh at it now, but he's always commenting, no filter, doesn't think before he speaks. So when we walk in, there's these ladies who are of a certain age yeah. as cocktail waitresses. My father points to them and looks, she, he says, look, they got the original cocktail waitresses still working here. <laughs> And That's so funny. That's what my dad said too. I mean, I'm just like, Jesus, Dad, can you just keep they are shutting human your beings. mouth? You know, like, yeah, exactly. Like these ladies, they're you know, and they're probably in their fifties and yeah. and sixty whatever, and they're they're in high heels walking around. And I don't even think about this stuff. And he's just like, he's always, and my mother, that's what she hates. And she's like, well, he should fucking talk. Look in the mirror. Because no. <laughs> are they still together? Or no, no. Yeah, no, I didn't think that, so. I'm like, she, well, that was, that brings me to yeah. the obvious, she, when she hired a hitman to murder him, which turned out to <laughs> the be. The obvious thing that happened. Yeah, which turned out to be an undercover cop who was. Uh, arranged by her ex-husband, who was a, a confidential informant, you know, by working with the... Because he was busted uh, for narcotics, so then he turned, you know, into an informant and then turned over his ex-wife, my mother, and... Yeah, so that that's a whole nother story. <laughs> wow, so. like, dude, I didn't know you had Jerry Springer shit in your past, too, because, like, my half-brother, um, he's a bit older than me and my little brother... Um, and his mom, it was older than our dad, too. She was one of the, you know, the first woman to, unfortunately, marry him. Yeah. You know, um, and apparently when my dad started dating my mom, they were still married. And so she followed them oh. in a car and started shooting at them. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, oh, I get it. Like, I, yeah, your mom I, tried to kill your dad, too. Well, yeah, she yeah. didn't want to get her hands dirty, yeah. but she, actually, before I was she born... She was smarter. She hired somebody, not full-on redneck like ours. Yeah, yeah. but she wasn't that smart, <laughs> yeah, because she, she got God. caught, and she did do time, so... Um, oh, well. She was lucky because she, she only got four years, um, and be, she should have gotten murder for hire, it's very serious. Oh, yeah. Especially in New York, but at the time, there was a judge that she got was very lenient, and his nickname was Let Him Go Joe. So, like, this judge gave her a very light sentence. And she was a very, you know, model prisoner. She yeah. didn't cause any problems. Uh, you know, this was... She never did anything to this extent before. Uh, it was always, you know, drug possession or whatever. It was so... But they wanted her. They really wanted her because she was selling drugs, you know, for so long. So the yeah. police, they, they got her, you know, on this... Um, 
it's complicated because my father didn't deserve to die. Obviously, he didn't. No, no one. I, you know, that that's an awful uh, thing to happen. Um, you know, it was like she took out a insurance policy on him. Um, now he can never get insurance for the rest of his life, which is messed up. I don't think that is weird. it shouldn't be the victim's no. fault that someone no. took a hit out and insured him. You know, her, his ex-wife. But I guess that's yeah, the... Yeah, he could um, probably contest that in a civil court. I don't... I guess yeah. uh, maybe, but he's very... Yeah. He told me it's just... I don't know. He, he's very adamant that he says, no, I can never get insured, but whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, maybe we'll try someday. But just the idea... And then... But you reminded... When you said shooting at your father... Yeah. That sparked <laughs> another memory that years... I mean, this this happened in the mid-90s. But years before that, before I was even born, in the late 70s, uh, my mother and my father, when they first met, um, they lived in um, South Florida, near Miami. I forgot the name of the city. But um, uh, they, uh, my father, obviously, who's ex-military, so he had uh, a firearm. It was like, I forgot what kind. But it was some kind of like, I don't know. I don't even remember what it was, but it was not. Uh, it was not a Glock. It was not a you know a common uh, firearm. It was some piece of crap that he said it was very inaccurate. And it, 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 yeah. Thankfully, he said he just had it. He he's not a gun person. He just had it for protection, but um, he kept it in the bedroom, and she was pissed at him, and he was high, and so he started running down the street and she pulled the gun and started firing it. And we're talking, imagine like palm trees, a nice residential neighborhood, like kind of like Beverly Hills down there in Florida. And she, this woman is firing a gun and my father's running and he he said, thank God it was an accurate gun. And she just bang, bang, bang. And he's checking himself because he says, you never hear the one that kills you. So he's he's feeling himself for bullet wounds and and holes. (laughs) But he just took off down the street and goes, he says, I should have, I should have, it should have been a sign right there not to marry this woman. That's what my mom said too, whenever she was being shot at. But yeah. then I, me and my brother wouldn't have been born. So right. Same exactly. thing with you. you yes, know? exactly. Yeah. No, I know. It did come out of it. Yeah, it was that thankful that that did happen. But he says that she, his friends always says, what is she deaf and dumb? Because she was just quiet and polite and everything changed after they married. It was like a different person when when they were dating and, and engaged or whatever, um, she was very quiet, very respectful. She never talked. Like she was, she was just so nice to him. And then when they got married, she said, he said that she changed. So, um, yeah, I guess I am lucky. I wouldn't exist without that. So, but it's just, it's so, it's amazing how many things had to happen for me to be there. You know, so many unlikely things for me to be born and then for me to still be alive. We got kidnapped. My mother and I were kidnapped by the Colombians because my father was dealing drugs at the time and owned a bar and he was doing so well selling drugs out of this bar that the Colombians came and kidnapped my mother and me and said, hey, if you want to see your son and your, your wife again, you'll walk away from your business. And how old were you? Oh, I was, it was like 18 months or something Okay, like yeah, because I was I like, mean, that's horrific. I mean, I was you're going to be traumatizing, but you probably don't remember anything No, I don't yet. remember any of this stuff. I was like, being we that left, early, yeah. We left Florida before I was two yeah. years old, so I was still in diaper. They used to use my diaper uh, 
to smuggle kilos of cocaine in because oh the customs never checked Checks the diaper, baby's yeah. diaper. They do now, though, because of that, I think. Well, yeah. this was yeah, no. 30, yeah, 30 years ago, years ago yeah. 30 something. So then at that time, and they, my father said it was the dumbest thing they could have. This is his words. He says, we didn't know at the time, we were too stupid to know that, um, or not educated, that if one of those plastic bags had ruptured, the cocaine can be absorbed. Absorbed in through your skin. Through the skin. Yeah. And dude, it would if have, you put it up your butt, it works faster. It would have killed me, yeah. they said. It would have, yeah. It, they didn't know that it, it would be absorbed through the skin and would have been lethal for me. They said, we did not know that, and that was like, they, he regrets that. That's like the number one thing. Well, at least he's like, you know, that was a bad idea. You could have died. Because, yes. yeah, that is the thing. is like people mm-hmm. forget, and especially being in the diaper, that's right. the area where people do put drugs. Right. Like, I know my brother stuck some ecstasy up his ass once because my know. friend told him it would work better, and it did. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I, I mean, I've never done any, like, the most I've ever done is just, like, smoke weed. And that was, yeah. you know, I'm just never been, like, I've never been uh, because Which is of good my, because my parents, like you know, you your know. dad and your mother's mm-hmm. issues, like yeah, and, and that's I probably can't. why. I mean yeah. My father I used to go to Al Anon and AA meetings and NA meetings and all these different rehabs and so he told me uh that he goes, You know, your um because of our brain chemistry and our our, gen- our genes being so similar, he says, You're at ninety nine percent chance of becoming an addict and I said, Well I can't be if I never try it. And that yeah. was my mentality. It was like, never try it once. And that is really smart. Because, and I will say that, you know, my brother and I, we clearly see issues. And, right. and like, that's why we probably shouldn't drink and smoke weed like we do. Mm. But it's one of those things that it's the lesser of two evils. But, yeah, like, our dad, I mean, the reason he had two heart attacks a few years ago was because he did cocaine in his right. 40s. I mean, because he had, you know, when he was younger and then, you know, right. later on. And it's just like, it's... It's drugs. I I do still believe in my libertarian beliefs that if right. the drugs should be mm-hmm. legal, except mm-hmm. for like meth and crack, yes. because if if they are, they can be regulated, and because you're always going to have people who have mm. addiction problems. But oh my God, meth is it's, scary. Uh, yeah, I know. We've had a lot of friends die from that. Yeah. It's really sad. I see those before and after photos with the teeth and the oh, skin, yeah. and it's really scary. It's like I just I I can't get that out of my mind, and um. You know, my father, he always just, you know, for him, it's just, it's a constant battle. It's, I know I've accepted the fact that I used to want to, like, him to be abstinent and just completely, you know, not using. Yeah. But I just, I've accepted the fact that that will never happen. And it's lifted a weight off my shoulders because I was expecting too much. I just, I can't, it's not, re- it's not realistic. So I've, you know, lately ascribed to the heart, what they call a harm reduction model, which is he will use a little bit, but it, he won't spend his whole rent, his uh, food money on drugs. Yeah, and see, so. that's where, you know, places like Switzerland, where heroin is legal, that's what they do, mm-hmm. is they, they basically keep these people, like, you know, in check by mm-hmm. having them come to the clinic, do their heroin there, and they go home, right. and they become very functional right. people. Exactly. And, like, you know, as I'll say, the abstinence method does work as well. I know plenty of sober people that, you know, that, you know, there are different methods, but that's a, that's actually a pretty good treatment that he's on. Like, yeah. What we have, it's not perfect, but yeah. it works for us. Yeah. I hold on to his uh, debit card, so, because he's a Vietnam vet, so he gets his 
uh, benefits from the government every, uh, well, it comes early, usually like the, the third of the month or the first, uh, but it, we get it in such a way that it comes a little, like three days early because of the account that we have it linked to. But um, anyways, I have his, uh, his, his debit card. Now he could go to the bank and, and get a new one, but for some reason that extra step it's like a barrier that yeah. it's like a mental barrier that he won't do that. That just not having it in his pocket, not having the cash. If he has anything over like let's say twenty or forty dollars, it's gone. It's yeah. it's gone. It's just like he cannot have any significant amount of money for him. And it'll just be blown on drugs. So he spent the rent. He spent uh he was supposed to go to Vegas a few years ago. He spent eight hundred dollars on a weekend just doing drugs up wow. in smoke gone and the whole month month uh, of rent was gone and i'm like you can't do this and we figured out the system where i will hold your debit card and i will uh on the first of the month or whenever that happens to be based on the month um i will pick you you know i pick him up he come well he'll come over to my house or i'll pick him up and i'll go to the bank we get his money then i uh, make sure he pay. I take him to pay his rent. I take him to get his haircut. I take him to the grocery store. He gets a bus pass. He gets his groceries. So that way, I know if he fucks, if he messes up and blows the rest of it, at least he has a roof over he his head. Stuff, yeah. He has a pantry full of uh, food, refrigerator full of food. So he has the basic essentials, and the rest of it, I just, you know, I, I, I can't. I, I can't obsess. I used to like sit outside his home and just wait for his dealer to show up so I could be like, hey, get the hell out of here. But I can't do that. It stresses me out. It's not yeah. good for my mental health, you know, to be like that obsessed. And um, Yeah, and it's like on the airplane. You got to put your oxygen mask on first yeah. and help others. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't do that to myself. I used yeah. to like be so worried about oh is he using or nice to yeah. follow him my mother when i was a kid she used to drive around in south buffalo and like into crack houses like we used to go looking for him i know i'm sorry that reminded me of a terrible story no, with my yeah, brother no, and fine. i started laughing no yeah, yeah. No, i was I, like I, oh I, crack houses no. so funny yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's it's crazy yeah. Yeah. no but that's the truth know. that you can i'm not yeah. i've gone through so I much of this and it is funny. It is. It's like it's absurd. You yeah. Know, it's just because, as I say, that's that's the best word to describe it. Is it's so absurd that it is funny because your dad yeah. is here and he's right. fine. I yeah. mean, you're you figured this out. It's like my brother. Like that was the reason I was laughing. Is one time, in Mila, when he was at Garland High and staying with our dad because like he'd had such a drug problem where I we grew up, he had to move there. And it was like one night during his big Aleister Crowley phase, he goes, I got up, I walked to this motel, and it was basically like a crack house. Yes. I'm sitting there, he goes, now I really just bought some weed, but I'm waiting around with all these crackheads, and we're just sitting there watching the nanny. Right. And I'm like, dude, this could have gone so bad. But he goes, no, I was just, what they, they just said, yeah, just wait with us while the weed dealer gets here. Yeah. And, he, and I'm like, you're 16 years old, you're in a cracked out motel mm -hmm. and all that happened was you were sitting around watching the nanny and they gave you your weed and you left that could have been so bad <laughs> yeah i know i i think about that my father used to say he was so scared of my yeah. mother especially when he was on crack he was like he said that he had like hallucinations or fear that at any moment she was going to come in through the door <laughs> like it was that in her mind she was like um you know 
uh, I forgot what he used, but yeah, that was yeah. just, she, she was always in his mind, like that, you know, looking over his shoulder for because he didn't fear the police, he feared my mother. <laughs> That's so funny. My mother used to chase him with an Easton, uh, a yeah. you know, metal baseball yeah. bat. Terrible. My little league ba- baseball bat, she used to wake <laughs> she... him up with it, you know, in the morning. Well... <laughs> so, yeah, she, she's... She's I, a character, too. She's a big character. No. I mean, like, just, oh my god, her behavior. She can be the sweetest, and she's, she's like Martha Stewart. She's just yeah. so... The house is immaculate. Everything is perfect, you know, um, clean, spotless. Uh, everything is just the, the details, the thank you notes, the, everything is so perfect. But she's got the side that's like very dark and very, you know, violent. You well, know, yeah, because so. that side is also what married your dad that's yeah. not necessarily dark and violent, yeah. but like that obvious like bad boy, that con bang, and like that. That's obviously a side of her, because that's interesting, because, like, I love Martha Stewart, and I'm a little bit like that, and people are always shocked that everything's yeah. so, like, put together and, and in a certain way, but then yes. it's like, then there's, like, the me that's just kind of a lazy pothead, whatever. And, <laughs> and I think Martha Stewart, but a great yeah. criminal. <laughs> I know. know. She's, like, I know she's had trouble, but, like, I mean, I'm talking about, like, she, I could just see her being a spy or something. Oh, yeah, because Martha, like, I've never met her, but I've always wanted to because, like, she, like, I remember Tom Arnold actually started following me on Twitter because I had a joke about, like, you know, I'm kind of like Martha Stewart, but I, you know, smoke weed and say pussy a lot. And he's like, oh, sweetie, Martha Stewart does that, too. (laughs) Like, and it was so funny. And I was like, oh. And I'm like, see, and she does that show with Snoop Dogg, yeah. and, and she went to prison, took her licks, like, and I really yeah. respected her more for that, because <laughs> yes. she was like, you know what, because insider trading is one of those things that I don't really think is that bad, depending right. on how it's done, sure. just they wanted to throw the book at her, yes. but she did her time and did better after that even, yeah. so I gotta yeah. respect the lady. Yeah. Like, does your mom, after she went to prison, you know, get her stuff together? Or? Um... <laughs> In some way, well, she doesn't deal drugs anymore, so oh, that in good. that way, that's yeah, something. it is something. <laughs> but she still has that. See, my father, he he. You talk about bright yeah. side. My father is always the optimist. He's always got rose-colored glasses on, and it's the opposite of my mother, who is very pragmatic, very you know, just dark or you know, whatever. Everything is just doom and gloom and the world's gonna end that's so my mom (laughs) my my father is like you know he's oh everything's gonna be fine we're not gonna worry about it that's his favorite we're not gonna worry about that you know he's like very just cool you know like Matthew McConaughey just very cool everything is maybe not to that extent but he's just a very easygoing guy generally it takes a lot to get him worked up and so that was what the yin and the yang kind of and, and my mother was um after she came out of prison my father uh he said oh she's mellowed mm-hmm. and i said on what planet you know mm-hmm. i was like what's the weather like on your planet yeah. i said she's mellowed i'll show you mellowed and then you know sure enough she goes off like and there's been story after story we went to the ellen show and you know right here yeah. down the road um as you know, because they—it's weird. They can be civil to each I, because of me. You know, um, he likes to quote Doctor Phil. He says, oh, once, I you, love Dr. Phil. <laughs> "Once you have children, you're married for life." That's what Doctor Phil said. So they're they're civil around to 
to a point. So my mother is a huge fan of the Ellen show. And so she got tickets after years of like submitting, you know, online. She finally got us in. So the three of us, you know, and Ellen gives away prizes and she dances in the beginning. And so my father hates that. He hates dancing. He hates you know, well, just that. so you know, Alan does too. It's really her way of like trying to pretend to be nice uh-huh. when she's apparently not. Well, I, I, I don't know about her. yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. But she, but my point is, when we were at the Ellen show, it, uh, we were thankfully in the back and in the audience. And my mother, she gets really into the dancing part Aww. in the beginning, and so she's you know doing the dance. And my father, he's always the clown. He's always the mischievous guy. And so he starts doing this dance like this, right? Like, it looks like he's jacking off. Like, you know, he's going like this, like, like that. And my mother sees him out of the court and she's like, oh my God, you embarrassed the shit out of me, you know? Like, that one incident, like, she starts screaming She's like, I'm never talking to you again. You know, it was just a threat. She loves to threaten. And she's like, you're out. You're done. You know, it's just like a, she thinks of herself like. how dare you dance with Ellen. She thinks of herself like Tony Soprano. You know, she's like the the shot She's kind of like a mom boss. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole mentality is like, she calls the shots. And my father loves pushing her buttons. You know, he's like, he's the child that loves to push the buttons. And I'm like, don't do it. I'm like the mediator in between them. And I'm like. I'm telling him, don't push your buttons. He goes, I like doing that, you know. It's like, and I'm like, that's what almost got you killed, you know. It's your buttons, you know. It's like, because he loves to push those buttons. He knows exactly what to do. And from the past, whatever it's been, eight, uh, almost ten years now, whenever I think 2000, uh, yeah, it was, it was probably around 2009, 2010, around that time. Uh, for the past nine years, my mother still refers to the Ellen Show incident, like in conversation. Yeah, she never He's not him. coming to dinner with us because of the Ellen Show. You know, that's the just sh- for dancing. Well, for yeah. dancing to what she said was inappropriate, yeah. and then you know another thing, we went out to dinner, right? And we we happened to be in Santa Monica, so we wanted to go to the Albright on the Santa Monica Pier. Oh, yeah. It has like the clam chowder with the bread bowls. Yeah, it's good. delicious, and so. But my father was in, you know, West L.A., and my mother, she loves to set people up like that. She goes, does he want to come? And I said, are you sure? And she goes, yeah, ask him. And so I said, okay, I called him, and I said, Dad, do you want to come? And he goes, yeah, I'd love to. You're going to come pick me up? And I said, okay. So we drove all the way over there, picked him up, and then we go down back to where we were and just made it, you know, a huge loop. And we come back, and uh, we're at the Albright, about to order. My mother orders, I order, and my dad says, I'll just have a small soda. And the look on my mother's face, like steam coming out of her her ears, saying, we just drove all the way over, so you could order a small soda? She's like, I wanted to slug him. (laughs) And I'm like, that's that's her. I'll never forget that. Small soda. Small soda? Yeah, then she says that. Small soda, I wanted to slug him. Mm-hmm. And then he says, good, slug me. You know, and just like they go at it like that. And we're walking after he goes, okay, fine, I'll order the fish. You know, he had a fish fry or something. And so, but it was just, it's things like, those are just, 
I feel like they're so telling of their relationship. And when we're down, we were walking to the Palisades Park after dinner. None of us were talking to each other. None of us were holding hands or anything. It's just, and my father says, this is a fucked up family. <laughs> I said, you just realized that? I said, you just realized it. That's so funny. This is a fucked up family. Yeah. He's like, nobody's talking to each other. We're just like, we might as well be by ourselves. We're just walking down the, you know, the path. And mm-hmm. just, nobody's talking. We're just looking on. He goes, this is the most fucked up family. <laughs> you know, it, it is pretty fucked up, but don't worry. You're not alone. I mean, my family, I mean... The fact is, like, my parents, I don't think, ever really loved one another, but, like, they still have to tolerate each other because right. we we exist. And, like, you know, I don't believe our parents need to be friends or anything, but there have been a, there were a lot of times where we did the right thing by inviting my dad. But I just remember one time we were happened to be at his apartment, mm-hmm. and um, my mom was there and our half-brother, and then me and my little brother and our dad. And a preview comes on for Cowboys and Aliens. It's coming out. And yeah. then my... Or coming on TV. I, I like think that it movie. Out. Yeah. It's a good movie. <laughs> but yeah, my dad, in all seriousness, seriousness goes, you know that's based on a true story. Oh, wow. And then we're all looking at each other like, who is going to laugh first? Like, yeah. who's going to say anything? What is going to happen? And then just a trail of laughter, like the oldest, my brother, her uh-huh. brother, me, yep. and then my yep. mom, my little brother, we all just trail of laughter. Yeah. And then my dad is just like, fuck you, just to my little brother. <laughs> and he's like, I was the last one to laugh, yeah, why me? And he goes, because you're the only one that cares. <laughs> And I'm like, so talk about fucked up family. I mean, because my dad really believed what he said, and we're all laughing. Wow. But he's like, just just fuck you to my little brother, because he knows he's the only one with a heart. Oh, that's so And sad. I'm like, that's why you don't attack, Jared. It was funny. <laughs> they always go after the weakest one. I know. <laughs> I'm like, he's the only one that'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. That's exactly right. It's Yeah, it's just there's so many stories and... I mean, it's just, yeah, I guess yeah. it's weird how similar, like you said, like I, I only, um, I only, I'm an only child, so there's no brothers or sisters. When I was growing yeah. up, I didn't want any because I just, well, I didn't want any. And then like, and then also the older I got when the shit hit the fan and my mom yeah. went to prison, my dad couldn't take care of me because he was in crack houses and re- in and out of rehab, in and out of prison. I thought, you know what? I'm glad I don't have a brother or sister because I would be taking care of them and there's more weight. It's like, for me, I felt like, I'm like, I don't want to expose anybody to this life. I was like, let me just get through this, you know, and uh, that was my thinking. Yeah, I will say, though, like, my brother and I always had each other when we would have to go over and deal with that. And our half-brother when we were growing up was actually a good big brother until he Mm -hmm. got really deep into drugs as an adult, like, and he's not so much anymore. But when we were younger... He would try to shield us from our dad's drug use and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was kind of good to have siblings. But I get your perspective of, like, yeah, that's not like I don't want anybody of... else to deal with this. Like, yeah, that's exactly. pretty nice and, like, unselfish. It's like, yeah. That's That was my thinking yeah. was, like, I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through. And I'm, like, that's why I was glad. But, yeah, it's other times I would have liked, you know, it would have been nice to have, like, a friend that was, like, Understanding, yeah, there with nobody you. knew what I was going through. Like maybe a few friends. My cousin was like a brother. My cousin Tom, 
you know, we grew up together. We were the same age. Or we are the same age. And, um, you know, I lived with him. And that was another... Oh, my God. That's another story. Is like mm. those, those years when my mother was in prison were... It was just... It was such a weird time because I was bouncing around. I moved from the neighbors. I, first, I went... I, I lived with my neighbors because I didn't want to oh, live with my yeah. family because they were so messed up. And so my neighbors, I thought, were always cool and nice. But then I found out they have issues. And, like, this sweet old man across the street turned out to be not so sweet when I was living there. Like, they, I played... Do you remember CeeLo? Yeah. You know, I wish I was a little bit... T- I would, yeah. When that song came out, I was playing that. And they were like, we don't want rap music in this house. And I was like, okay. I wasn't even playing it that yeah. loud. And then I had candles. I always yeah. loved candles. And they said, we don't allow open flames, you know, burning of candles in this house. You could start the house on it's like, holy shit, this is so foreign to me from yeah. what I grew up with. Me and my I, little brother just literally played with fire all the time. I was like, that's just a candle. That's it, easy. It like, wasn't playing with fire. It was just my mother always yeah. had scented candles around. Yeah, like, which is nice and innocent. Yeah, but no, couldn't have yeah. it. It was like I had a curfew, never had a curfew. My parents never, I, I they trusted me. And I felt like I was more responsible, you know, because they just trusted me to do the right thing and no I had a curfew so then I moved from them I moved to Florida to my aunt was like a godmother to me yeah. moved to her house and, and that was in Tampa near Tampa area St. Petersburg uh, and so I lived with that her for a year same well so somewhat similar she was a um, you know single and very nice lady but tried to you know, lay down the law, so yeah. to speak. So I had, I was 16 and I had, uh, yeah, the worst time to start that. Yeah. yeah. And I had a, a curfew for 10 PM and I'm in like, you know, the nicest like area and, and having fun. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I was going out to see movies with my friends on a Saturday night and I couldn't be out past 10. I'm like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, of course, um, you See, know. at that age, like, you know, you were a good kid. We were doing cocaine on our own kitchen no. table. Yeah, no, I, I never did any of that yeah. stuff. It was just, it was a horrible time. I mean, the worst thing I did, I, uh, I started smoking for about a month, which was just a rebellion thing. Yeah. Um, I, I cigarettes. Uh, yeah. I, I was smoking Newports. I don't know <laughs> Newports. why. Newports? Yeah, Newport. I don't know why it shows Newport. I think something on TV or movie. They or were so. always in like the magazines. I remember the ads yeah. for Newport. Yeah. I think it was a movie I saw, and and I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna smoke, and I hated it. It was like I did it for a month, but then I was like, no. Yeah, one of the funniest things that ever happened when me and my brother did drugs as teenagers was the one thing our mom was just adamantly against, besides like meth and yeah. heroin, things that are really bad. Um, was cigarettes because yeah. her dad had emphysema yes. and like you know and so one time she came in and yeah. we were smoking cigarettes yeah. and she's like oh my god are you smoking and my little brother like puffs it out and he goes but there's coke on it like how did that make it better wow. <laughs> like even she just started laughing she's just like what the fuck yeah it's so bizarre you don't expect yeah, it's like but there's coke on it like that that's okay right and, that's, wow, that's I don't know I don't know how that's like wow I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Oh like, no, you're like that. 
beach. No, I never, I never did any of the hard stuff, any any drugs like yeah. that. I just, which is good, especially if you have addiction in your family. Yeah. Like, I'm glad we experimented because I, when we were so young, where it was like, we got it out of our system and like, you know, didn't have any arrested. <laughs> We've never been arrested, knock on wood. Right. Which helps, but yeah, it's one of those things that. Mm, if we'd done it older, I don't know how what it would have turned out. Yeah. I got in trouble for drinking one time. Um, I was 17, and uh, I went to my friend's, uh, was at a college party, right? And I was obviously, I was a senior in high school, and here was what they said. They they came in, I had a an ID uh, that, let's say, was not mine, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and well, Maybe belong, yeah, I don't like to, but, you know, just... Um, you know, I was in there, and, um, I mean, this place was so lax. Like, the security, you could have flashed your library card or a note from your mom and gotten yeah. in. And so we were in there, and I wasn't even drinking. That's the messed Ugh. up thing. I was at the bar just enjoying, yeah, you, you know, just being got social. Yeah. yeah, and all of a sudden the cops raided it, and they and they put on the, um, the form, which has, you know, never been, like, official. It was a minor, yeah. so it's gone. Uh, it says, possession. I'll never forget this. This <laughs> made me laugh. Possession of an alcoholic beverage with intent to consume. With intent to consume. <laughs> yeah. Why would you be in possession of an alcoholic beverage if you had no intent to consume? I love, and like you said, you didn't even have one. And how did they... It's like, you know, oh, with intent to consume. I just like... The penal code is so weird. Like, I knew the Texas penal code because I almost went to law school. But, like, uh-huh. you know, because we studied... Both studied forensic psychology, uh, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Where did you go? Cause Chicago. Chicago school. Oh, yeah, because, like, I went to UNT, University of North Texas, which right. is where Dr. Phil went and sort of started that's this crazy. big forensic psychology program. Yeah, I didn't... Because that's where he, you know, started, and that's how he met Oprah. I didn't know yeah. that you studied forensic psychology because there's not many programs. No. And most people, when I tell them forensic psychology, they're like, oh, CSI. I'm like, not even. No, not even. forensic science. Right. Which I did some of that, too, because in, in high mm-hmm. school, my yeah. t- the one, t- one teacher that really liked me was a cop. Right. Uh, you know, of used course. to be, and yeah, I was like, <laughs> no, and she was like totally cool with me smoking weed. I was yeah. like vice president of the forensics club, but yeah, she got That's me my crazy. job shadow project at the crime lab, and because, but, but I was like, it's kind of, it's not as fun as CSI, but there still is always a hot black guy who works at the crime lab, guys. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I like don't. On TV. I, I, mm-hmm. I have to take your word for that yeah. because I was never exposed. I took yeah. one. It was called forensic DNA typing class where oh, you yeah. do the little droppers, and I got such a bad grade. I was like, I, I was nineteen at the time, and I didn't care about that stuff. I was like, it was so complicated, yeah. and, and DNA was just coming out. Like at that time, it was like it had been around a few years, but it was like not like CSI. Yeah, like the every, CODIS you know. level, like database yeah. and everything that we know of now. Right. Yeah. yeah, and everybody, like you see, like they're oh DNA, and they say even juries want DNA. But back in the day. Like, you know, with the O.J. Simpson trial, they didn't even know what the hell DNA was. Well, so, yeah. What's funny know, so. is being in my forensic psychology class, that's why I had such an issue with the people versus O.J. Like, yeah. that show was because, like, what forensic psychologists gave Marsha Clark all sorts of notes and things to help right. her out that she blatantly ignored. And yes. then they tried to act like she was a victim. So, yeah, yeah. you had the same class. Because yes. there was even, like, the DNA marker mm-hmm. and everything yep. that, that the DNA on the glove 
was Nicole's. Right. So obvious. Yeah. All of this evidence. And it's so frustrating yeah. to see that. And you're like, nope. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I love that show. My fa- and, okay, yeah. you just sparked another yeah. idea. Because my father, being from Buffalo, O.J. Simpson played for the, the Buffalo Bills. Bills. Yeah. My father was a mechanic. Well, he did body work. And he was a mechanic. And he was one of the best in Buffalo. So he did all the high-end he worked on O.J. Simpson's cars. All of us <laughs> did his body work for him. So he knew O.J. very well. And he said O.J. was the one who brought cocaine to Buffalo. Buffalo wow. is a very like poor, working-class, blue-collar city. And O.J. really, he brought that whole cocaine to Buffalo. So that was his like gift to the city. And I'll never forget my father <laughs> saying when he knew O.J., he could get into any place... And any woman he wanted, yeah. it was just he was surrounded by beautiful women all the time. And OJ ended up, he did so much cocaine, he had implants in his nose because he burned out the nostrils, like in his, you know, the cavity. Yeah, or whatever. I remember when so, one of my girlfriends couldn't get a septum piercing because she'd already eroded her nose. Yeah, that's horrible. Exactly. And that's what OJ did, I guess. That's what my father said. And I was just like, that, again. That stuff is what kept me from doing drugs. Yeah. Hearing that crap, I'm like, I don't want a yeah, whatever that's yeah, you don't want septum. septum. Yeah, that's disgusting. And in my my mind, it was always the worst. Like, that's yeah. going to happen to me if I do it one time. So I, that's what kept me from doing it. It was just the fear of, like, you know, oh, I'm going to end up like that. So... Which is a good thing. Yeah. You know. And is that why you studied forensic psychology? Was No, mm. no. I, I studied that because this is going to sound funny, but um, my favorite show... Well, actually, no, because yeah. you you know my favorite show is The X-Files. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I have a big-ass X-Files so there you poster go. here. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can tell... That's why we have a lot in common yeah. is, like, that uh, that show really changed my... It was, yeah, that was my favorite show growing up until Buffy, like, and then, and then yeah. I liked watching both of them. Well, yeah. see, I never got into Buffy, yeah. but... but the X-Files, I have to... And I met Jillian Anderson, and I met... Oh, I've met David, but I've and, never met Jillian. Yeah, all. and I have to say, I, I yeah. t- when I, t- I met them several... Well, especially, I met uh, Jillian several times because she used to uh, be a guest at the hotel that I worked at. Oh, wow. And I t- yeah, she's the nicest person. Yeah. She signed a bunch of uh, my memorabilia I still have. She, you know, to Brian. She um, gave me, like, acting advice. And just the nicest person. You know, tipped well. Just, uh, you couldn't ask for a better person. And so... That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, just the sweetest lady. And, um... What was I going to Oh, um... That show, mm. when I met her, I I had like almost a, a panic attack because I was like, I was so emotional because growing up, that show came at a time in my life when I needed some kind of direction. I was very lost and that show gave me like a sense like, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be an FBI agent. I want to do like profiling and, you know, not hunt for aliens, but like the whole, you know, the X-Files was great because it wasn't all about aliens. There was, yeah, there was some real like level cases and stuff. It was like actual like cases that the FBI would work on. So that was my exposure to the whole, you know, the FBI and and forensic psychology and everything. And that's what Mulder started out as. Mm -hmm. It was like, if you follow the show, he was a, uh, you know, he applied uh, behavioral models in psychology to criminal cases. That was the pilot, and that that was what hooked me. It was like I want to do that. I want to study, you know, uh, apply psychology to criminal cases. And so 
that show really, it was just a consistent kind of like my touchstone where it was like I'd come back like every week and I was like, okay, this was like, you know, my church, my thing, you know, where it would just kind of like give me a sense of direction, you know. Yeah, it was so so fascinating. I wound up doing my master's in sports because I, with forensics, there wasn't a lot of places to go when you realize like the FBI was cool and, Mm -hmm. but a lot of that, like you still had to do a lot more training and everything and Mm -hmm. instead of just like, you know, a PhD because I'm a big fan of Criminal Minds as well, because it's all about the profiling. Right. But to me, the most accurate portrayals of forensic psychology and what it really is, it's not so much about the profiling. It's right. more about jury selection and yes. like bringing... Because that's what Bull is actually based on yes. Dr. Phil yeah. and what he did. And that's, you know, how he met Oprah and he sort right. of helped her get her prepare her for cases. Right. And that was a lot of what it was going to be. And I was just like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, Boy, And I went and did like a lot of like, I did my research on concussions and sports right. to help hockey players. But Right. And you know. I learned that after. Yeah. I, I had a different idea of what it was. And, but there are some, like, you know, we did, in my graduate program, we did, we did a lot of um, violence and risk assessments. Yeah. So um, that, we, we covered serial killers. We, we covered, um, you yeah. know, sex offenders. Like yeah, because Dr. SPU. Wong is a good example. He's a forensic psychiatrist because mm. he's an actual MD on mm. law and order, a special victims unit. Yeah. But yeah, he was a recurring character as right. their forensic psychiatrist. Mm. Right. But that was just because he was an MD. It was similar, like, to the, right. the other, like, yeah. the profiling and then, you know... And I like, yes, and and that whole, and I I know, and I I like also, well, I never wanted to be, like you said, like, I enjoy the show, but it's, that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, that wasn't what Um, I wanted to do, too, and I just realized that, especially being where that was sort of invented, like, that was where you went. It's so funny because it's forensic psychology is specialized. But within that, there's yeah, so many, so many little specialties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Within that forensic, like there was another thing we focused on was child custody disputes. So, oh yeah. And I don't, I have no interest in doing that. Yeah, like, that's you know, so sad. So, yeah, but that's part of the forensic psychology yeah. world. It's a big part. Uh, another one is veterans, you know, and homeless. So there's like so many different areas <laughs> that you could specialize with forensic psychology. Oh, thank you. Being um, friendly. Yeah. So that's. Uh, well, she wants the jazz. Hey, do not drink tea. out of his drink. That's rude. That's she does it to funny. me. <laughs> That's cute. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, I mean, um, I don't know. It. I went. The reason I took also the master's program is because um, when I was at uh, CSUN, you know, Cal State Northridge, yeah. um, I um, I befriended a FBI agent um, who was a recruiter. Um, and she came and she gave a lecture and how to, you know, and most of it I had known because I had thought about joining for years, but afterwards she's like, you know, with a bachelor's degree in psychology, that's what I had 20 years ago. That's not going to cut it today. Yeah. So she's like, you need to either learn, uh, computer skills for cyber terrorism or you have to have a foreign language skills, which one of the, se- what they call seven critical languages, which is like Farsi, yeah. Air, you know. Um, uh, Mandarin is a big one. Yeah. Mandarin, Korean, um, yeah. you know, Kurdish, all these like seven critical languages, which I didn't have. Or she said, you can get a master's degree in forensic psychology. And I thought, oh, well, I'll do that. I can yeah. do that. You and know? it's interesting. So, like, yeah, it, it is interesting. And I don't regret doing it. But it just, um, it, it didn't work out the way that I planned. And, and for her, 
I just wish she would have been a little bit more real, but I guess maybe she didn't even know, so I don't really blame her. It's just like the fact that when I did apply to the FBI and I did get past the phase one testing. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, everything was like going smoothly, but then they they just said, oh, well, um, you'll hear from us. And I never heard back. I never got to the background checks. I never got to the physical testing, which, you know, is probably a good thing because I was, that was probably the hardest part was just doing all those sit-ups, those push-ups, and they have a specific amount of time that you have to do. And it's not like a normal push-up. You have to do it in a certain way yeah. with your arms, like, really far apart. Yeah, you have apart. to do the real push-ups, and yeah. that sucks. Like Exactly. And, that and was chin-ups hard. are so hard for most people, but I have, like, a lot of upper body strength. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. that would have been the one thing I was good at is shooting stuff and, like, physical testing. But... See, then that was the hard... And then running, you have to run yeah. a certain... You have to sprint. Oh, I hate running. And you have to... There's a sprint, and there's also a, like, marathon. Oh, I didn't realize there was running. Oh, yeah. There's um, very um, intense. uh, I used to go to uh, Valley College and um, run on their track and just practice running, but it was never good enough. It was not like up to, and and I never even got that far, which is a good thing, I guess. But but I emailed them and they never replied. They just kept saying reapply, reapply next year. And I had a friend who worked for the D- excuse me, a friend that worked for the DEA, and and then by that time, that was a few years later, and by that time I was like, you know, if I work for one of these agencies, um, I fell in love with California. Yeah. You have to sign a mobility agreement. Yeah, they you have to go where they you tell you anywhere. Yeah. It's like the military. You yeah. Know, they'll put you in. You know, in uh, Nebraska or some god awful place, you know. And I don't want to leave California. Yeah. I, I don't even want to leave LA, you know. So, yeah, I know. I'm like, I like it here. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. you can come back here. Yeah. But you have to serve. First of all, you have to go to Quantico for like, I think, six months. Yeah, it's and a then, long training. Yeah. That's that's one thing. Okay, I could do that. But then the other thing, the, the harder thing is you put in a lottery of your 50 top cities like you put a list and then they they shuffle it up and all of the recruits who pass quantico they get assigned probably not to one of your so if you put la at the top she said that her top was la she ended up going to new orleans for two years and i'm like i don't want to spend two years of my life in some place that i don't want to live in you know it's just that for me is that's a big big deal so um it just became a point when I was like, I don't want to move. I do not want to leave L.A. It just So I have to find something that's, like, local that could be similar to that. But on local, like, you know, working for the county or the yeah. state. So, um, you know, or some agency that's similar. So that's, that's where I'm at right now is trying to find a position that's, like, you know, local government, not um, federal. Because I just... And then recently, I mean, how horrible was it when the government shut down? And I hear oh, yeah. stories about people, you people know. still haven't been paid for right. all of their back. And I'm while. like, screw that. Like, you know, yeah. you're working for free. I don't think so, you know. So, yeah, we already do that as comedians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was just like, the whole point of having a government job is that reliable. Income, stuff, yeah. You know, the benefits. And then if you don't have that, it's like, what? what are you doing? I mean. They said when they arrested, the FBI arrested, uh, 
I forgot what his name, uh, Stone, that Roger Stone, that they weren't even getting paid at that time. <laughs> then yeah. It was just like off the clock. So I don't know. It's just, but you know, that's a tangent. It's just, I, um, at, at this point, like I said, I, I just wish in some ways I would have came to this realization a little bit sooner, but now I'm thinking everything kind of, you know, worked out fine. It's like, yeah. And, yeah. and that is the bright side is I've always found these things yeah. will, will help have helped me in ways like it sucks to still have all those student loans you have to pay. I don't yes. know if you're in so much debt too. Yes, I am. And yes. like, you're not really using, but honestly, that's why I do this podcast mm-hmm. is like, this is using my psychology degree. This is all about psychology and comedy mm-hmm. and like, you know, this knowledge that we have, I mean, especially if we go into like writing television, mm-hmm then they don't have to hire a consultant. We know what a forensic psychologist does. Yeah. Can, yeah. I mean, I know I'm going to be sex shop consultant on someone else's film. Yeah, that's <laughs> Just because cool. I asked for that to be my title. I mean, that's awesome, <laughs> no. actually. That's really, yeah. I never heard of a sex shop consultant. So. I know. It's a title and I that's part of, uh, <laughs> oh, That's cool. Yeah. That, and that's part of forensic psychology. I don't know about your program, yeah. but that was a big human uh, sexual, de- sexual deviance. I mean, I learned about things that I never would have thought of, like, you know, fraudism. I was like, and I even say oh that, God, like, yeah. I say that to my father, and he's like, what the hell is fraudism? And I, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you go into, like, a public place, like a subway or a, yeah. um, a train or a bus, and you rub your genitals on something, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. It's really like, big in New York. Yeah. Um, one of the weirdest things I remember reading in one of the books was, like, there's a whole sexual fetish that they had to give a name for it. And I don't even remember the name. I just remember it's like, um, you just, like, put a bird on your dick and then break its neck. And I'm like, oh who the fuck is into God. that? That's horrible. That is horrible. Like, how are there enough people that they had to put that in a book? That's so sad. But to at least turn it around, the bright side of the story <laughs> is when my brother took his human sexuality class... They asked him to do... They were like, you know, go to a gay bar. Do something you you haven't done. Like, right. explore. Yeah. Well, he thought it was funny to go to the sex shop and buy a dildo and stick mm-hmm. it up his ass. And he goes, because I've never done that before. Wow. And I'm like... And then even his teacher goes, why didn't you just go to a gay bar or something, dude? Yeah. And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> wow. And as he said, he goes, I really... Wish I'd gone for length instead of girth. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm still like, are you sure you're not gay? Because he does love stuff up his butt. He put ecstasy up there. That he sounds used to like sit a, on the jets in the. That sounds like room. a Family Guy episode. Like you know, yeah. I could see what's his name? Uh, the you know the blonde uh, the son. yeah Chris yeah Chris yeah I could see Chris doing that like. I know that's the thing is I want to write for cartoons because yeah. I feel like some of these stories and yours too. These are like good for like Family Guy because they'd have to be in cartoons, right? I want to do a series like Curb Your Enthusiasm oh, yeah. with me and my dad. Like, oh, that would be so you know, funny! It's a single camera comedy. It's very real. You know, it's like it just our relationship. It's like it's kind of like it's just it. Everyone says you and your dad. There's just something there. You know, there's yeah. something. We were, oh my god, even, I mean, there, we were in Italian Vogue together on the Warner Italian Bros. Italian Vogue? Yes, which is like the, the yeah. fashion magazine. Yeah. How does that happen? I mean, I know how it happened because I was the one who helped set it up. But, you know, I was, uh, you know, again, working at the Five Star Hotel in Beverly Hills. Mark Seliger, who I love, he's just an amazing man, like one of the legendary photographers who shot Kurt Cobain, who shot oh, like, yeah. every celebrity under the sun, and these iconic shots, and um, the man is a genius, 
And so he shoots for Rolling Stone. He shoots for Vogue. Yeah, and like, so he used to stay at the hotel that I worked. So I befriended him. And he knew that I was an actor slash model, you know, sometimes. And, and this was years ago. And um, he said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, well, I don't know, not much. And this was Mother's Day 2007 weekend. And he goes, well, would you like to be a model in my shoot? And I was oh, like, wow. absolutely. So it was, I'll never forget that. It was a Sunday Mother's Day of all days, and I brought my dad because you know he had nothing better to do at the time. Yeah. I brought him to the Warner Brothers lot because uh, that and they had it was a salute to the golden age of Hollywood. Oh, so it yeah. felt like a film shoot, even though it was a you know still photographs. So we had Gretchen Mull, who was the the lead. oh yeah because she was in Rounders. I always liked yeah. that movie. Yeah. She has this classic yeah. you know blonde like Marilyn Monroe look to her. So she had like. You know, they were doing all these, you know, uh, and she was pregnant at the time, and they just came out with this new technology, I guess, or relatively new, where you, like, uh, like Photoshop, I guess, or maybe it was Photoshop, and we were amazed because she had a baby bump, and as they were shooting digitally, uh, Mark, Mark's assistant was editing out the baby bump and smoothing oh. it out. We couldn't believe it. When we were looking at it, it was like, how did you do that? It was like, I mean, it was just amazing. If you look at the photos, you'd never realize that she was pregnant. But wow. she was very pregnant at the time. And she was the nicest person. We had fun. Oh, the thing was, I brought my dad just to tag along yeah. and just to hang out. Mark liked his look so Oof. much. He was like, hmm. He's like, you want to be in the shoot? Uh -huh. He fired. I felt so bad. He uh -huh. fired the quote-unquote director, the actor that was posing as a like uh, Ilya Kazan, like yeah. this classic film director, replaced this guy who was in the same agency as I was, which is like, oh my God, I felt so bad and just was like, he, we replaced him and put my dad in there and had my dad, and we have this iconic shot where it's the this old like 1940s Packard or some old car and I'm holding a boom mic in the back seat of this car and my dad is like, you know, posing as the director, looking through the window, and then Gretchen is like looking, you know, yeah, through the back seat, and it's just such this such a cool shot that we have now. Dude, and you should send that, and I'll pair it with the promotions. Oh, okay, I'm like, yeah, that's a cool absolutely. picture. I was it's, like, I want to see this. Yeah, I could send it to you right yeah. now. And it's everybody always says like, what a cool shot, and, and it's just this beautiful artwork. And Mark was nice enough to. Uh, to actually make prints for yeah. us and mail them oh, to wow. us. The, I'm just, the guy is the nicest, like most generous guy. Yeah, that's and, a cool story. Yeah. I know, as we wrap up here, is there anything else you want to say about uh, I, I know your dad's, I'm like, I feel like I should call this the bright side of con man dads. Like, <laughs> I know. He's he, like, where do we come up with this? He is. It's just, I I mean, he's just, he's, he's smooth as silk. He's just, uh, um, like I said, he's just brilliant when it comes to, you know, figuring a way around things. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I know. I had a friend like that, too. I'm like, dude, you're so smart. You could easily just do okay in school, but he would yeah. work so hard to see how little he had to do. Yeah. And people always want to know yeah. about his schemes. And his, yeah. It, because, like, for instance, with the, the, the Jewish checks, right, we have the thing that... Um, you know, it's made out to Lewinsky. So yeah. then the next question is, well, how do you cash check made out to someone that's not your name? And then he says, well, I'm friends with a guy named Mike, the cleaner, <laughs> who owns a dry cleaning company, who 
is, I guess, a little, uh, as we say, morally flexible. And yes, we always love that, a, morally flexible. Yeah, I got that I from got uh, better, better Call Saul. Better yeah. Call Saul, yeah. When he's, are you still morally <laughs> flexible? <laughs> I love that. See, I have a little Saul Goodman pop, too. Oh, like, yeah. I was like, I love, because those were my favorite characters from Breaking Bad, yeah. was Saul and Mike. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. I was like, oh, yeah. And so that's my father. He's morally flexible, and he finds these people that shares. Oh, real quick, before we wrap, I know we're wrapping up, but I have to say, my father, this this story cracks me up. He got a job, and this this speaks to him, you know, water seeking its own level, and him finding someone who's crooked as he is. He found a job, uh, this is about, again, when he moved here 10 years ago, or a little, 12 years ago, at a pizza place. It doesn't exist anymore. It's, it was called Brooklyn Pizza, and it was right Beverly Hills adjacent. The owner of this pizza place, uh, every night he would take the the receipts out of the register, put them in the trash, and take pizza sauce and pour it all over him and then then pocket money. And then he would short the staff. And he had Mexican people that didn't speak good English that were working for him. And he was exploiting. And so my father and him would always come to blows because my father's not illegal my father's a citizen my father's actually very smart when it comes to yeah. math and money so when he tried to shortchange him he would always call him on his bs and say oh no you didn't and no. like and then threaten him to report him to the irs and the owner of this place this pizza place uh, and he would every um he would not pay fines to the city. He would get a, uh, I forgot, a fine for not having a dumpster or like he would use his neighbor's dumpster. dumpster yeah, right? that, they're you, really serious about yes. that in LA. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. And so he got these fines. Well, he would never pay them. So they would be thousands of dollars. Well, it used to be like 10, 20 years ago, instead of paying the fine, you could just spend a week in jail. And so yeah. the guy would just go to jail and his, his wife would just drop him off and he would just sit in the jail for a week. <laughs> And then he would have the fines, like, eight, say, $8,000. They would be wiped out. And I'm like, how do you find these people who are the shadiest as you are, you know, who would pay him cash and look the other way and yeah. sauce every night, saucing the receipts. Saucing the receipts. <laughs> like, like, you know. Yeah. Who does that? Like, it's just, you know how hard it is to find a job like that where the owner is that shady? Like, it's funny. It's like, if you know where to look, it's like my, like how I do like a lot of the promo jobs and stuff like that. Cause it's almost like that black market economy too. Cause sometimes I get paid cash to do stuff or, or like a lot of like audience work. It's almost that black market work. So it's like, but I guess when you grow up in that, you know what to look for. Right. No, but he took it to another level. Yeah. I mean, and they still, and then the owner, his name was, uh, I forgot his name, but anyways, uh, the owner of the pizza place, when he fired my dad, he didn't pay him the money that he owed him. Oh, yeah. So my father, of course, loves to get even, and so he went back, and he knew that the guys that were working, the cooks, hated this guts. <sighs> so he would go when he wasn't there, when he was in prison yeah. or jail, and he'd get free pizza. And oh, he goes, yeah. I'm getting it back one pizza at a time. And he goes, I got <laughs> so him funny. good. I'm getting it back one pizza at a yeah. time. He used to work for another uh, Mexican restaurant, and he goes, I'm getting it back one taco at a time, you know? And then, oh then he gosh. changed it to pizza. pizza. <laughs> 
that's so funny. Yeah, I know. I was so happy when I got to meet your dad, but now I have to meet your mom, too. I'm like, I love meeting uh, characters, yeah. you know, especially when I've heard so many stories and you shared so many new ones today. Yeah. Do, is, do you have anything you want to promote? This will come out um, in two weeks. Um, yeah. I, I would say just follow yeah. follow me on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Um, I, I'm a news junkie, so I post a lot of news on Twitter and Facebook, but my Instagram is mostly about animals and astronomy, so I would say, like, um, at Strenaconda, it's my last name, obviously, like, uh, that was another story from yeah. college that one of my friends was the Timaconda, but he got pissed off. I'm like, you, I have Strenaconda, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So don't get mad at me for taking that name, and everybody remembers that name years they still call me Stranaconda, so yeah. that. And then also, I just want to um, say, give a shout out to LA Guinea Pig Rescue because um, I love guinea pigs. They've changed my life, and they're just like therapy pets. They're little bundles of joy, and um, they've helped me to cope with stress and my life it's just it's changed my life so yeah i know and you have a sweet one little here that's why yeah. i was i was uh snapping at banky because she was starting to smell his cage i'm like let's oh. not torture him baby and she's good yeah. yeah um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening since i'm lucretia line you can always find me at l-a-c-r-e-t-i-a-l-y-o-n anywhere on the internet since there is only one and see you next tuesday tired of nagging yourself to get a website for your artistic career already Radportfolios.com creates affordable custom websites for artists. Use code BRIGHTSIDE. That's one word for half off your website startup. Radportfolios.com so you can get back to getting booked.